Hey everybody, this is Adam uh, bringing you another episode of the Almighty Podcast, and I got my good buddy here, Adkins. Mike Adkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. How you doing today, man? I am doing all right. Um, I am ready to talk about these two episodes. I've, been, I've actually been dying to talk about these two episodes. Usually my MO has been watch them literally the day that we record so that they're fresh in my brain. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wasn't going to have that kind of time today. So I had that kind of time a couple of days ago and have all my notes and have a lot of anticipation. So this is like, if uh, all the things that I want to say were going to come out of a hose, it has been sufficiently kinked for two days. So I'm ready to, <laughs> ready to do this. Well, I'll tell you, after the last episodes, I couldn't wait. So I went home and watched them. And then I rewatched them before uh, we decided to record today. So that way it was fresh in my brain as well. Uh, but nice. these were awesome. I thought these were some great episodes. I'm, I'm excited to get going on them. Yeah. And, you know, we left off on quite a cliffhanger, a very high po- a place of anticipation for the following episode at the end of episode six, where uh, Deku and Bakugo are, or Katsuki rather, you know, they, he's got like four names. Yeah, um, they all do, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, they're about, to, they're about to show, you know, continue this fight that, that they staged at the very end of episode six. And, and I do like, uh, so the title of episode seven is Deku versus Kachan. And I like the fact that they use kind of their childhood names for one another as the episode title. Um, I think that's fairly fitting given the content of this episode, not necessarily um, strictly their combat uh, against one another, but there's a lot of uh, flashback material in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I really, really liked that the idea that they were really concentrating on the relationship between these two people and how it's evolved from the time that they were little kids till they've got these superpowers because that dynamic is going to change so many things in a relationship. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it starts this episode right off, like them opening up about to start fighting, and then it kind of goes into their background, and it's Deku talking about his relationship with Kachan, and, you know, they grew up in the same little city, in the same kind of, I guess it's the same neighborhood, uh, so they were really good friends, and, you know, he was always really envious of Kachan once he got his powers. Yeah, and he said something to the effect of, after Katsuki's quirk manifested, he began to change, and this is... Yeah. Again, I've, I think I've, I might have said this in every episode so far. They are making Katsuki look like he's going to break bad. Um, and yeah, and they mentioned that several times throughout the entire episode. Like, yes. you know, the, he's supposed to be playing villain, and all of the people that are spectating, like the other heroes, when they're watching him, they're like, wow, he's really good at playing a villain. And yeah. I think they even mentioned at one point in time, like, man, he's got some serious anger issues. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's almost the embodiment of you know power corrupting i mean he he was super into the idea of having a quirk once he got it it was super offensive and it almost i mean according to deku's own perspective here it changed who he was fundamentally um and i think that that you know that that change that deku noticed in him early on has only exacerbated it's only gotten worse um and we we kind of see that come to a head here in in this episode. Where technically, it started to come to a head as soon as Deku found out that he was getting into the academy as well, or at least had a shot at getting into the academy. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of it's really honestly it's sad because the moment that this kid gets his powers, he just starts kind of dishing it down on Deku like mm-hmm. he's relentless. Yeah, and on others. Yeah. But it seems like they've kind of got, because it shows them together with a few different friends, and it seems like it's him and, like, two other kids, and they're always, like, 
kind of picking on Deku specifically because like there's a scene I think where they like throw some river stones across the the pond and his skip a whole bunch you know and he's like oh it's got to be a record and then he's like well where's yours Deku and he's like oh you know mine sank yeah and, and everyone else just kind of laughs at him like but even though they're pretty quirkless too like they don't have these amazing quirks either you know yeah not that we've seen one boy has like wings sticking out of his back um I will say this and I, I have this in my notes that even even the framing of the childhood shots, like if you're talking about my hero as if it, you know, from the perspective of a cinematographer, the framing of those shots um, when they go back has Deku always close to Katsuki, to Kachan and his little group of cronies. So he's always nearby, but he's never adjacent to. Um, he's always, there, there's this physical distance separation. So he's... He's with them. He's always around them, but he's not near to them. And, and they show physically this distance that um, has supposedly grown, right, between Deku and Kachan after he gets his quirk. Yeah, yeah. And it's very evident that he's kind of the outcast of the little group that they are part of, which, you know, probably leads to him needing the friendship that he does need. Because you can tell that, like, don't get me wrong, I don't mean this in a negative way, but Deku's kind of needy in general, it seems like. Yeah, he's he's a little squirrely, yeah. um, but you know he's he's likable um, he in a way he's incredibly that, likable. Yeah, in a way that Katsuki isn't. I mean, Katsuki is that quintessential jock, right? Who is popular by merit of might, um, and Deku, uh, you know, doesn't have that. He's quirkless, right? Um, right, and so right. he's he's on the far he's on the other end of that spectrum. Well, and it kind of comes out that that is why Deku loves Kachan so much, because he's amazing. I mean, he mentions that several times in this episode. He's just like, oh, well, the reason I look up to you is because you're so amazing and you're so cool. So it almost seems kind of odd to me that even he is kind of bought into the idea that Kachan is as cool as Kachan thinks he is. You know what yeah. I mean? Because yeah. uh, you'd figure out of everyone, he'd be kind of the one guy that's like, actually, you're kind of a jerk, you know, like, but I will still like you for you, you know? Yeah, and that kind of, you know, at the end of the previous episode, he mentions to Kachan that, you know, you he, he implies, you know, you were in this notebook, and this notebook, I only kept track of, you know, heroes and quirks that I thought were amazing, right? So by implication, Deku is saying, Kachan, you're amazing. He says that explicitly in these episodes. Yeah. Um, and what we see inside of these episodes is kind of that fanboy knowledge of Deku's payoff in this fight. Um, because, you know, like at the very end of last episode, he remembers that Kachan tends to lead with a right hook. And so he's able to basically use, you know, judo to to grab a hold of that arm and use that momentum against Kachan at the very beginning of this fight. And it kind of reminded me of um, that manga. I actually sent uh, you a copy of this for Christmas the, that time I was reincarnated as Yamcha. Yeah, I um, love that one. That's great. It's, it's this idea, right? So the, the whole premise of that book is there's this super big Dragon Ball Z fan uh, who kind of gets his, like takes a knock on the head or something like that, ends up living Yamcha's life, but with all of the knowledge of uh, the, the various arcs and things like this um, and using that knowledge to his advantage. So you see the same thing in Deku where these notebooks have kind of armed him um, with knowledge. And so he's using that to his advantage to kind of steer this narrative around him. Because this whole time, um, well, the first, the first couple episodes at least, Deku was a fan on the outside of all of the superhero business, all of the quirk business. But now he's an insider. Now he's a player. 
um, and he has this information and he's using it uh, to great effect. I mean, he's got this information at his disposal. It, it is it it ranks among his weapons. It is certainly one of his strengths. Yeah, I would definitely consider his wealth of knowledge on all of these other heroes probably one of his biggest weapons outside of the one for all power. Yes. But, you know, that's not to discredit Katsuki, though, because, you know, he after probably I don't know what in real time fighting was, but I would say five or six minutes, he's able to pick up kind of the idea of like, OK, he's going to know where I'm going. So let me do some things he doesn't expect. And that's where he pulls off one of the coolest things I've seen so far, which are his grenade hands. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about this in the last episode. I think, you know, you were under the impression that they were going to be purely aesthetic. I was hoping it would have something to do with his powers. And it looks like I was sort of right there. So I was kind of excited about that. Yep. You, you called it. I thought that it was just a silly aesthetic that a junior high boy would totally go for. I still think that there is a little bit of truth to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're probably we- not wrong. But we do find out that these grenade gauntlets aren't just for show. Um, we also find out a little bit more about Katsuki's quirk in that he has what he refers to as nitro sweat. Yeah, so it um, sounds like his hands or like he, his body in general just sweats nitroglycerin. Yeah, and I'll be honest, when you say it that way, when you say it as I have explosive sweat or I have nitro sweat, it feels so much lamer than it actually looks like it yeah. just felt lame <laughs> yeah I, I get what you're saying but i mean it kind of goes back to that infographic they showed us in the last episode where the girl is like shooting water from her hands and it looks like she's just creating water but she's actually absorbing it out of the air so it kind of makes me wonder if all of their powers are kind of like that like there's some caveat to them that we just don't quite know you know yeah and it also made me wonder too and this this will kind of tie a little bit to something that we see in this in the um next episode in episode eight um but if his power is sweat dependent right does if you if you just cool him off if he's just in a a a cold or cool environment where sweat isn't a thing that normal people do at that temperature, does that mean that his quirk is negated or does he have uh, hyperhidrosis, which is like he just sweats all the time profusely no matter what? Um, because there's a guy in episode eight that we get to see um, who has the ability to like freeze everything it looked like. Um, yeah. He, and, he's got like, he's split. Like he can freeze everything or he can like boil everything, I guess. Yeah. And there's this moment in that episode where uh, Katsuki is talking and he says something like, I can't. I can't beat him, and I wonder if it's because compa- if if Katsuki thinks well, his quirk is better than mine, or if it's um, my quirk is negated by his. So I'm, I'll be curious to see. I mean, maybe, I'm probably just way overthinking this. I mean, those grenade gauntlet things look like they're they're quite warm, so maybe yeah. that's enough, right? Um, that's true. So. Well, and I, I kind of was under the impression like there's a moment there where he's watching the ice guy completely freeze over, and we'll talk about it more here in a bit, the the freeze over the room that they're kind of competing in, and he has this face about him that was kind of this realization to me that maybe he's finally being proven or he's seeing for the first time that he's not the most badass guy in the room, that yeah. there are other people out there that are way cooler and have way better powers and could care less about what people think about them compared yeah. to him, which that kind of seems like one of his biggest weaknesses. Yeah, and they even do this like splash image thing for sh- the guy's name is Shoto. He's the guy that his quirk is like half hot, half cold, I think is how they actually label it. Um, 
and it says that they don't know what the range of his ability is. Like this guy is is the omega level mutant equivalent of uh, you know a, a hero at the academy. Um, and so yeah, I mean I, I'm not sure which one of those two things is true. If he's just intimidated by it, uh, humbled by it, or if he's like that is the antithesis right to my power. Yeah, and I'm not too sure. Uh, but I'm hoping that we get to find out. I think that would be a really fun showdown for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a minute about the reason that I guess Katsuki has it out for Deku. Because I thought this was really kind of an odd reason. But we see this past kind of throwback where all of these kids that we mentioned earlier are walking in the forest. And they're like singing a song and talking about going to UA and whatnot. And Katsuki falls off of this like bridge and into the lake and you know he everyone kind of freaks out at first and then they're like oh no it's Katsuki he's fine he's strong and he looks up and Deku is standing there almost immediately completely like hard exposed willing to help him out like hey are you doing okay like I'm really worried about you you really scared me and Katsuki gets so mad that someone thought that he might be the least bit vulnerable that he might have been hurt I mean I just don't I don't get that. You know what I mean? That seems like such a weird thing. Like so many people would kill to have a friend like Deku and this guy just doesn't care. Like he doesn't want someone else caring for him. And that it makes me wonder if maybe Katsuki comes from like a really broken home or something like that. Like we don't know something about his past that causes him to have all of these crazy anger issues with people that just care for him. Yeah. Or, you know, it could just be, he's got this like, amped up version or idea of what it means to be masculine what it means to be the strongest um and part of his definition of that is uh i don't receive aid i don't accept help because i don't need it or even when i do need it i won't take it because that's humiliating it's embarrassing it makes me dependent in a way that you know i I don't want uh, i don't want to be perceived in that manner uh, and he also has trouble with the fact that, and I think he either mentioned it in last episode or, or possibly in this one, where he says something along the lines of, you know, the reason that you get under my skin is because, you know, you don't stand a chance and yet you keep standing up, right? You you keep coming back. Um, yeah. And that is that he, Katsuki, wants to be um, dominating. I mean, he's like, everybody around me is beneath me, but when you keep resisting and keep coming back for more, right? It's like, it's like Captain America. I can do this all day, right? Right. Um, That gets under the skin of these guys who feel like they wield all the power and are are exercising that power and still, still are met with resistance um, because it feels like they are, um, you, you know, that they're, they aren't accomplishing what it is that they're setting out to do. It, it, it's emasculating um, to a degree. Yeah, so, I guess yeah, there's that makes a whole sense. lot going on in there. Yeah. Well, and the whole time that Deku and Katsuki are fighting, um, you're going to have to tell me what their name here. I think it's Uraroku. Uraraka in the English Uraraka. dub, which I, I did have to watch the English dub because uh, Verve took the first season off. Um, yeah, I so I have that. my notes are riddled with. Uh, this is their name in English. This is their name in the Japanese, right? So <laughs> this is their third name because for reasons, there's three. Yeah. Um, I have, my notes are just filled with all this stuff. Well, so, they even, they even bring that up in, in uh, this episode. Like Deku mentions like, well, Deku is now a hero's name. It's not a fool's name. Cause they kind of show that in the past when Katsuki first starts calling him Deku. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, names are huge for this show. It seems like. Yep. But yeah, so while they're fighting, you know, you've got her off fighting with uh, Ida, and I gotta tell you, Ida cracks me up because 
he's protecting this bomb that they need to basically be villains, you know, to try and protect. And he's standing there thinking like, oh, Katsuki's doing really great at being a villain. Like, I got to get into the role. So he yeah. starts kind of chanting these evil chants to himself. It's great. It was my it's fa- hilarious. It, it's one of my favorite parts of this entire episode. Yeah. So Ida or Tenya, um, in his pursuit of embodying villainy, takes easily to the audienceless monologue, which is such a trope of like, especially in comic books, of the villains just monologuing to literally nobody because yeah. that's how you inform the reader of things. Um, and then he, he even takes this purpley prose um, to heart when Ochako makes herself known, like she stumbles uh, and he he realizes, you know, that that she's there. And so he, he, he reminded me a lot. He even kind of looks like... Um, the shredder from the old Ninja Turtles, like the nineties totally cartoon. Does. Yeah. I didn't um, even think about that. The way that he was talking and kind of chewing up the scenery and even like he punctuated his monologue, his purple prose monologue to Ochako with this evil laugh or at least an attempt at one. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, he is the shredder right now. And it was making me laugh pretty good. Yeah, that was great. Um, I, I love it. Like the idea of him trying to be what he thinks is a villain. Just, yeah. it, it was beautiful. And um, I- I thought too, and this is, I think this happened a little earlier, but uh, since we're, we're get looking at more than just Deku in, in the fight uh, with Katsuki, there's this scene where they're talking in the monitoring room, I guess we'll call it, um, where all of the other heroes are there, all the other students and All Might is standing there, and they talk about how the superheroes are at a disadvantage because the superheroes, uh, you know, they have to infiltrate this building, they don't know where the bomb is, so they mention that the superheroes are at this extreme disadvantage. And I really like the fact that All Might says, yeah, that's kind of how things are. Villains tend to be, and if you think about this across all mediums, villains tend to be proactive and heroes are forced to be reactive. Yeah, they're Um, always on the defensive. Yeah, and and so that made total sense. The setup did. I like that they took a second to to talk about that. And it did also bring up this question I'd read. I I even wrote uh, an article for it at Nerds on Earth a couple years ago, I think at this point. Um, But there's a company called Sequart, and they put out um, these philosophical essays about pop culture. Mm-hmm. And they have a collection called uh, Humans and Paragons, and it talks about different uh, different elements of heroism across a couple mediums, a bunch of different heroes. And one of the most riveting ones to me um, was about whether or not heroes actually change anything or if they just defend the status quo. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's you, actually a really good question. Right? And that's the same thing that goes on in, in these things. It's like, hey, the bad guys do something, we have to negate it, not we're going to go and be the proactive people. Like, that's what the bad guys do. We are reactive. We just put things back to normal. Yeah. Um, and that, that setup of this this little game that they're playing for class reminded me of that. That's a really good point in general. Like, how effective really are the heroes? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now we can talk a little bit about this fight that we've been kind of uh, beating around the bush um, <laughs> concerning between the actual... We've been talking around this fight, but now let's talk about the actual uh, confrontation between Deku and uh, Katsuki. It was really, really well animated. Like, I've watched a lot of anime where there are a lot of fight scenes, and I feel like one of the best things about My Hero Academia is that it is consistently animated very well. Agreed. Uh, but the fight between these two is just incredible. I mean, you've got Deku on one hand who has studied his target so well that he knows almost any move that this guy's going to make. And on the other hand, you've got Katsuki, who is just this built-up ball of rage, but he's very tactical. 
And I think at first, all of the other kids or all of the other heroes kind of assume that he is just a loose cannon. Yes. Um, but he's not. You know, he is able to adapt to the idea that Deku knows what's coming. And it's really, really cool. Yeah. And I will I will readily count myself among those who thought that he was just a loose cannon. Uh, up until this point, he just felt like a lot of bark with a little bit of bang in his hands, but not a yeah. whole bunch of direction. Um, but in this fight, he, I mean, after he kind of levels his head off a little bit, and I think the turning point, was it was it right before or right after he just straight up uses his grenade hands to punch a hole through the building that he kind of gets a little bit more tactical? Um, I, it's I think immediately it, afterwards, because okay. All Might has to stop him. Because the whole time that this fight's going on, like, Katsuki is consistently saying over and over, I'm going to hurt you so bad that they won't stop the fight, but just enough to make you like knocked out basically. Right. Right. Uh, and so he, he's firing off his cannons and, or his grenade hands and all might is sitting there sweating bullets. Cause he's thinking, you know, I, as a teacher, I know I should stop this fight, but for Deku, I'm not going to, you know, yeah. I want him to, I want him to be able to know that he did this on his own kind of thing, which I really have a lot of respect for all Might being able to actually recognize that. You know what I mean? It's risky though. I mean, it is, but I think he has so much faith in Deku. Like he, that's how much he believes in this kid, and I, I just think that's cool. Like he's got him kind of zeroed in, you know. Yeah, I yeah. When and he even he, mentioned, I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I I realized that uh, All Might mentioned at one point in time that Katsuki doesn't want to kill Deku. Like he has that he knows. Like okay, with the way that he's moving and the way he's attacking, I know he doesn't want to kill him. He just wants to hurt him. That's kind of why I figured. He didn't want to completely stop it because like he knew that they weren't going to go that far. Yeah. I mean, he says All Might says at some point, like, for his sake, I'll let this go on talking the, the his uh, referencing Deku. And when he said that, I was like, man, that is risky. And I understand that he had a little bit of insight into, I guess, I mean, he in order for him to have confidence that uh, Katsuki wouldn't actually kill Deku. He had to trust Katsuki when Katsuki said, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you a little bit and keep trusting that as his anger escalated. That was the part that I was like, mm. but eventually he did get to a point where he was like, all right, calm down. Um, so he did intervene. He just didn't stop everything. So that's that's fair. Yeah, because he even told him, he was like, hey, you know, even though you're the villain, that was a really dumb move. Like, yeah. you want to blow up the city right now, and you're supposed to be protecting the bomb. If you act like that, you're just going to detonate it on yourself. Right. So, and, and you know, it's, but it leads into him kind of cooling off for a second, and then that's when he gets really tactical. And it's so cool, because he goes after Deku with his like traditional you know just lean in with that heavy right hook and when he does he actually uses his uh his grenade hands to kind of create a smoke screen in front of him and propel him behind Deku and then just pummel him from behind yeah and it's really cool because even all the kids are like whoa that's cool he actually thought about that you know he's not just raging out right and he went from just using his quirk to using his quirk in a way that requires talent instead of just ability. Like, yeah. up until this point, everything that he's done pretty much has just been like, this is something I am physically capable of doing. This is the first time I think we've sh we've uh, seen, a uh, like, uh, not ability, but um, It's the first time we've showcased. seen finesse, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because he also does this really cool spin move where he, like, grabs Deku by the shoulder of his sleeves and then he uses his cannon hands to spin them in a circle and add velocity and throw yeah. him up against the wall. And I was like, dang, that Cent looks awesome. That centrifugal force hurt. Yeah. 
and this this is when we see Deku stand up and basically tell him, like, hey, you know, the reason I want to fight you is because you're amazing. And Katsuki says, well, the reason I want to fight you is because you don't stop fighting back. And they decide to kind of mano a mano, we're going to do this one last punch, you know, this kind of like that last round knockout sort of deal. Right. That's kind of interesting, too, the, the way that that resolves, because there was a part of me that was like, all right, if they just deck each other right now, because... Deku actually does engage um, uh, the what, what's the name of the power again? It's not uh, one for all. One for all. One for all. So he engages one for all. It all, all up his arm. Right. Last time we saw it, it was just on like the very tip of one of his fingers, and they're both rushing at each other, and we're anticipating this this smash to just absolutely destroy Katsuki. I mean, yeah, and I mean they're using their like named power ups. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and I and I. You know, it's we don't get it here. If something else happens, I wonder if it will ever happen. And we do get a point um, in the next episode where Katsuki wa- worries out loud, or I mean, worries out loud to us. It might have been an internal monologue that we were um, privy to or audience to, but he does worry out loud. He he wonders if Deku would win. Like he worries that Deku's quirk actually is superior to his if it came to a straight up like one on one everything into this one punch kind of uh, showdown. Yeah. Well, but, and you know, it's what what kind of kills me about this is whenever Deku is using his powers, he he calls out like Detroit Smash. I think. Yeah. And I'm I'm sitting here going, okay, there's only one hero that has catchphrases like right. that. Do people just assume he's idolizing that guy? Or is anyone ever going to be like, well, hold on a second. Someone else says that, and his powers are literally identical. Well, he is dressing like him, too, so maybe that adds to the, the, the facade, right? Maybe. That, man, he's just totally brown-nosing. He's just a copycat, blah, 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 whatever. Right. Um, well, what they end up doing is incredible, though, because he ducks Katsuki's blast, and he does that Detroit smash blast straight up into the air, and then he uh, signals in a rock. Uh, you're in, what is her name? Uraraka is how is what it is in the English dub. Oh my I gosh. like Ochako is what it is in the Japanese. That's just I'm going to call her Ochako because yeah. <laughs> I will not be able to pronounce the other one. So Uraraka. he signals into Ochako and is like, "Hey." Uh, do it now. And she is able to touch kind of the walls and levitate while he blows this giant blast straight up and separates Idu and Urochaka. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so cool because she then like brings down one of these columns and smashes it towards Idu and yeah. completely distracts him. It was such a great moment of teamwork. I loved it. But you just totally smashed together the two names for that young lady. You said oh Urachaka. Urachaka? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to get so much hate for it. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I don't want to interrupt you. You were on a roll. But yeah, they, he punches, punches up through this building, wrecks like every floor above it. Um, luckily, they have other buildings where they stage these contests. That's that's some foresight for you. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so now she, she grabs like a pillar. It lightens the gravity, I think is her power she she yep. makes it where it's super light she uses it like a baseball bat because there was debris falling and she she doesn't throw the pillar at tenya or at ida but she bats a bunch of debris at him right and she calls out like uh what, what is her signature she calls it like random signature move oh yeah i, I don't know that I, I didn't take a note on that i, have to look, I can't remember look what exactly that. it was but i want to say she basically just said random improvised move you know like she oh. didn't have a name for it so it was just like i'll improvise yeah <laughs> Uh, and then she jumps across and grabs the bomb, and they win. They win. They win. They win by default. All they had to do was touch the bomb. 
Yeah, and and that's kind of what Deku says. Like Katsuki is losing his mind because he's like, "Hold on a second, what just yeah. happened?" You know, and and Deku is like, "Well, I knew the only way I had a chance of winning was by messing up my arm, hurting myself, and basically knocking you out of the way of winning." Period. Right. Uh, and Katsuki is just mentally wrecked. Yeah, and the, devastated. Like, yeah, and All Might tries to kind of calm him down because he's standing there and he's like white knuckling, grabbing his fist, like just so angry. He's frothing at the mouth, you know. And uh, All Might is like, "Well, hey, you know, so part of learning is learning from when you fail. So mm-hmm. that's what you're gonna have to do." Uh, and that is sort of the end of this episode. We kind of go into episode eight now. Yeah, and it starts. I mean, it picks up right where episode seven left off. It's called Bakugo's Start Line. Um, Bakugo being one of the three names of Katsuki slash Kachan. Um, and this is an interesting title, but it, it picks up um, with Tenya, and this made me laugh out loud as I was watching this at the very beginning of the episode. Now that the, the contest has been settled, Tenya snaps right out of being a villain, and the first, the first thing he does is like run over to, uh, to Ochako and just be like, are, are you okay? Like very yeah. concerned about her well-being. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. Like he yeah, just he wants really to is. make sure that everyone's all right, and like you can tell that he just really wants to be a hero. You, know? you remember? You remember back when I disliked that guy for that first episode? Oh yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, I totally. He's. I've got a soft spot in my heart for Tenya right now. Yeah, I like Tenya a lot. Uh, he's grown on me a lot more than I ever thought he would. Uh, and, and it turns out. Yeah, I think you and I are both going in the same place here. Yeah, I was going to say, it turns out All Might actually deems him as the official individual winner of the contest. Yeah, the MVP. Yeah, and it's so funny because there's this female named Momo mm-hmm. who we don't know what her quirk is, but I am at this point assuming that it's analytics because All Might asks, you know, does anyone understand why Tenya is the winner? And she just sits there for like seven minutes and breaks down every <laughs> single thing that everyone did wrong and everything he did right. And All Might is just kind of sweating. He's like, oh, wow, she's paying attention. All right. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, so she says that Katsuki was reckless and selfish. Deku took himself out of the fight, which is exactly what the the teacher from last uh, the last two episodes said he was going to do. He was worried about. Uh, He said Ochako didn't take things seriously enough. She just kind of, she treated it like a game. And then Tenya had, he had a strategy. He prepared, he acted on his strategy, he executed his strategy, um, and he was on mission the whole time. But um, most importantly, he did the evil monologue. Yeah, absolutely, and the evil <laughs> laugh. Uh, he, he totally would have should have been docked points if he hadn't have laughed at Ochako at the end of his little monologue. Yep. Um, but yeah, Momo is, is uh, an interesting character because we also find out that she is also um, one of four students at the Academy who got in on recommendation. Yeah, and this episode was neat because it kind of showcases a lot of the other students' powers. Yes. And we see several of the powers of the students that were just recommended. Like, they didn't... So, I guess a hero... I wonder if it is to be, like, a triple A hero. You know, I don't know if the heroes have rankings or not. We don't really know about that yet. Um, but That's I, I would assume... one punch man. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't imagine that they don't have them ranked because some powers are going to be a lot more powerful than others, you know? Sure. But, like, I would imagine All Might has got to be, like, a triple-A hero, you know? Yeah. Compared to, gosh, I don't know. I can't think, like, the wood hero? The, the I think we just saw him in episode one. Yeah, the acorn-headed just, guy. Yeah, like, he just was kind of made out of wood. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I wouldn't consider him triple-A. But, I, I mean, who am I to judge, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't know anything. But she, uh, so... She, <laughs> 
her power, you know, you, you say that your guess is that she's really analytical. That her costume does not scream analytics to me. She's wearing the least of anybody. Um, yeah, but she I think really that is. There's like a there's a shot later on with the little dude with the grapes on his ears. We still don't yeah. know much about that. He's yeah, the looking, fruit of the loom boy. Yeah, he's like totally ogling her. Yeah, and it looks like she's got a bookshelf built onto her butt. Did you? Yeah, see I this? don't. I did, and I was. I actually have a note. What the hell is that? <laughs> like not. it just looks like a weird shelf thing. Yeah, I don't. With, I don't I know what that book is. Was sitting on it, I think. But I yeah. was like, uh, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't concerned about it enough to like hit pause or rewind or anything, but I just have in my notes, does she have a bookshelf on her butt? Because <laughs> that's yeah, and totally you, what it looked like. What's funny is the little grape dude like totally breaks the fourth wall too, because oh, yeah. she's kind of in like a, you know, promiscuous position. He looks at her butt and then looks at the camera and gives the thumbs up. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, what is this guy's power? Yeah. Because at this point, he has been shown as the creep of the class, right? And but he's not really exhibited anything. So I'm hoping that he's just got some, like, okay, he's either going to have the coolest power of all of them, or he's going to be like one of those kids where you're like, why was he even here? How did See, he get in? But I don't, I don't know that I think that that's necessarily going to be the case. I just think that every anime, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, always has a perv. In the cast yeah. somewhere. So like DBZ, it was Roshi. In Naruto, it was uh, the... the Kakashi. The, no. Well, yeah, he did. He Kikashi was a bit. was kind of pervy. But, uh, there but was, you also it, had the Toad Sage. He was definitely pervy. Yeah. What was his name? Jiren or Jira, something like that? Uh, yeah, I think Jira. it was Jira. Um, and so, yeah, he was super pervy. I mean, they called him Pervy Sage all the time. Yeah, he was the pervy sage. So now we've got Fruit of the Loom Boy, which, as you uh, referred to him. Yeah, I don't think they've said his name yet. I, if they did, I missed it because so he's, he's he's a he's a an object of much curiosity between you and I. Yeah, he's great boy or fruit of the loom. He just looks like the fruit of the loom guy to me, and that cracks yeah. me up because I like to think that his superpower is like underwear marketing. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be, that'd and be that's great. the reason why he's always checking out these females because yeah. he's trying to find actresses to model for him or something. I guess yeah. I I don't know. Like we're, I can't I can't even begin to imagine what his powers are. We're just gonna say that that's headcanon until we're until we're proven wrong. Yeah, okay, that's great. Um, so we, we also meet Shoto. That's the half-hot, half-cold guy who also is in on recommendation. Um, so his power is showcased in this. Yeah, so he walks into, like, he is on the uh, good side. He, he is the going to go and attack the villains. And he actually tells the, like, octopus guy that has the really strong arms. He's like, hey, just wait outside. I don't want to hurt you. And he freezes the whole building. Yeah, all right, I'm going to let you finish. But we got to talk about the weird octopus hand man. Yeah, he did some weird stuff, dude. Uh, I mean, he didn't really do much, but I, I have in all caps in my notes, oh God, weird-handed man's arms are wings, because the first time that you see him, he's got them like spread out, you know? Yeah. And they're webbed, and then we, we're told that he can replicate different body parts on the tips of his tentacles, so you right. see like hands and mouths, and I just have a note in here that just says, super glad this isn't that kind of anime. Yeah, no given joke. Given that power. <laughs> yeah, because it's weird. Like they're ta He talks to uh, the, the half-frozen, half-hot guy, and he's talking through the end of one of his tentacles that have like created these teeth. Yep. It's freaky. It's messed uh, up. Did you ever see the old Disney movie? I think it was a Disney Channel movie called Can of Worms. Nope. Okay, so it's basically this kid that invites all these aliens to Earth, and they're all really gross, but he totally reminds me of one of those aliens. <laughs> okay. 
Somebody so, in the audience will know what you're talking about. Oh, I hope so. Because it's just like that. the idea of that face being on the end of that tentacle really freaked me out. Oh, uh, yeah. I, like I said, my note just says, super glad this isn't that kind of anime. Right. Well, Given in that the, dude's power set. The two people that they are fighting against is the invisible girl and a guy we don't we haven't seen his power set yet. But the invisible girl is like, well, hold on a second. I'll just take off all my clothes and be yes. completely invisible. And in the the other villain is like, wow, this is incredibly uncomfortable. Like I can't see her, but the fact that she's naked is really freaking me out. But so there's I, a lot of weirdness there. I appreciate the fact that she does have to get naked for her powers to make sense because too often you, that, that that part is like MacGuffined away where they're yeah. just like, oh yeah, their clothes can go invisible too, and she's just like, nope, I have to get naked. That's that's part of this quirk, you know. Yeah, but the to, thing I don't get is. Works. Her outfit is only shoes and gloves, so she's not like she's basically already naked. <laughs> you're like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's no, all she does is take off her shoes and gloves. Like yeah. she doesn't have a leotard or anything. So I just, I don't know. Unless she has special invisible clothing too. Did you ever see the movie Mystery Men? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Way back in the day, I love that movie. Where where uh, Kel? It was Kel, right? Kel Thompson was in that one. Uh, uh, I think Kel Thompson, the man Ben Stiller. Yeah, and and so he he was like my my pa- my superpower is I can turn invisible, but only when nobody is looking. And the whole movie, <laughs> you're just like that is a load, right? And then finally, like it totally works, right? I, I was thinking about him this whole thing too, where That's she was funny. like, I have to listen. I gotta I gotta take all my clothes off. It made it made me laugh. So yeah. this other dude that's in there with him or with her. I just have guy guarding missile in second bout is like a human smear goal, which is this Pokemon. You're into Pokemon, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, You're totally so right. Smeargle has this weird tail that looks like it has a giant paintbrush on the end or like a mm-hmm. calligrapher's brush tip. That's what this dude is. He looks totally normal except for this weird tail thing, and we still have no idea what it does. So I still have no idea what his quirk actually is, but I just have human Smeargle written on this. See, so I notified him as a squirrel boy Luke Skywalker because he looks like he's wearing a Jedi outfit and he just has a giant squirrel tail. He does look like a Jedi knight. He does look (laughs) like he's wearing Luke's like white, uh, white cloak or, you know, wrap thing, whatever it is, shawl. Right. So the frozy or the freezing guy freezes the entire building and including the naked girl and uh, squirrel boy to the ground and then just walks up and touches the bomb. Yeah. And that's when Katsuki is like, holy cow. Like, I don't compare to any of these people. Yeah, he starts freaking out a bit. Yeah, and we also get to see the crow uh, hero. We haven't really... I don't think his name was mentioned at this point yet, but it's mentioned later in the episode. I think his name's Tomo? Uh, yeah, that... Uh, I, I really don't know. I'd have to look back. I, I, don't, I don't think they say it in this episode, but I think he, it showed up on the rankings somewhere. Yeah, but he's really, really cool. I think he was one of the ones that was recommended by another hero, and he has these, like almost ethereal arms come out from yeah. behind him. I mean, he looked really cool. I'm excited to see more of that guy. Yeah, I have that shadow hands are up from his back, and it kind of reminds me of something that I've seen in Naruto, but I couldn't tell you what. Like yeah. some form of um, of special move from Naruto, it kind of looks like that. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, and then there was another bout between a couple of people, and you've got the surfing girl that like 
I, I don't really understand if she's surfing on acid. Yeah, that's all I have. I have slide around on caustic slime trail is what I have. Yeah, and she is with Pretty Boy, who shoots lasers from his belt or his belly button. Not belt, on... yes. We have to be clear. Right. Naval laser. Naval laser <laughs> in the Japanese version and yeah. the belt in the English version, yeah. which, <laughs> naval laser. So it's funny, too, because he's got this really glamorous cape on, and she, like, surfs over him and then melts his cape with his yeah. with her acid. Then there's, <laughs> then there's a person who has like a USB cord sticking out of her head and she's able to just jam it into the wall of the building and I guess she knows everything that's going on in the building and we don't really get the sense but she jacks into this building and then she just like nods or points whatever to whoever her her teammate was and off he runs so presumably she got some sort of info like she seems like she's sort of like Neo or like she kind of reminds me of the Matrix like she just plugs into everything and see I I imagine that she sees like the coding of the world or something you know yeah I liked, um, too, and now a lot of the quirks that we just covered were kind of done in a montage, like a quick showcase. Um, but some of the other ones, specifically Shoto and maybe Momo's or somebody else's in this episode, when they introduce these quirks, they they look like the character introductions, both for PC uh, NPCs and like bosses and mini bosses in the Borderlands video games. They look exactly like that. They totally do. And I, I like the way they did it too, because it was really the, ch- the middle chunk of this episode was kind of a montage of introducing all of these other heroes and their quirks and how they handled the same situation that uh, Miyadori and uh, Katsuki were going through. Yep. So I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty neat. Um, and then you kind of see them all sort of recollecting back in class afterwards and kind of congratulating each other while Deku was off being healed again. Yep. And, and also, you know, I felt really bad for All Might in this episode. I think this was one of the first times where it seemed like his powers or his his I guess time constraint on his powers really, really bugged him out because he was trying to teach the class. And it's so funny because it's such all might tradition. He's like, let me show you how a real hero takes off. And he just immediately dashes off using his powers and like out of sight. And for some reason, even though Tenyu has the, the ability of fast travel, like speed, they're all still like, wow, that's what makes a real hero. You yeah. <laughs> like, just this weird quirkiness is what makes him a real hero. Right. Uh, and then it, you see All Might, who's dashed behind this corner, and he shrinks into his normal form, and he's like, God, I can't even teach a class anymore. Yeah. Barely have awful time to teach a class. His window of time where he's able to keep that All Might form is growing shorter and shorter. But we also find out, and I think that you had called this, or corrected me on this an episode or two ago, that several folks... Several other heroes do know about his injury. Yeah. Um, however, only a couple know about the transfer of power, including like the principal of the school, the teddy bear, the teddy yeah. ruxpin. Which, um, okay, so this is the first time I think I've really gotten a good look of the teddy bear. I am calling it now. That dude is evil. Like, I don't trust the principal. There's something about that guy. Did I miss a shot with him in it in this episode? I don't recall seeing him at all. Yeah, so there's this, a panel where All Might is talking to the nurse, who I think her name is just Fix It Lady. Like, okay. she, he called her something really odd, and I just barely caught it, but I want to say she was just named Fix It Lady. Okay. Um, and he says, like, yes, there are several people on staff that know about my injury just in case we're attacked or just in case something bad happens or I'm in a fight with them. They need to know that I can't be there the entire time. However, there are a handful of people that know about the transformation of my powers. And yeah. he says, you're one of them. Of course, Miyadori is one of them. The principal is one of them and one of my close friends. And it shows a picture of all of those people. And so the close friend was ah. completely blacked out. We have no idea who that is. But then it had a picture of Fix It 
Midget Lady, Mia Dory, and the Principal. Midoriya. Yeah. Midoriya. Yeah, I'm going to mess these names up. All yeah, it's hand. okay. It's just going to be your thing. I, I only wanted to correct you this time because you said it like three times in very quick succession. I didn't want yeah. people to think we weren't trying at least. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I'm going to mess up one of their names and all of them have at least five. So yeah. the chances <laughs> of me messing them up are incredibly high. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Just I saw that quick glimpse of the principal and there's just something about him that I'm like, what does what is his quirk to make him the principal of UA? You know what I mean? Like all might reports to this guy. He's got to be pretty powerful. He didn't get there on his own. You know okay. what I mean? So now we have a running uh, a running bet going. Who who is evil first? Is it Katsuki or is it uh, or is Teddy it the Ruxpin? polar bear principal? Yep. <laughs> so I get we'll the feeling Katsuki. I, so I think that they're doing all this stuff with Katsuki as a total like throw off. You know like what I mean? A misdirection. That yeah. Could be true. I, I really think that this is 100% misdirection. Uh, but we see Deku get healed up. He goes back to class, and I felt bad for him because the whole time he's walking back to the classroom, he's like, man, I'm really embarrassed. Like, all these people are going to talk about how I, I can't even use my powers. Like, I, why am I even here almost, you know? And he walks in, opens the doors, and immediately everyone is like, oh, my gosh, you're okay. Like, it's so cool to see you. You did such a good job. And he's such an inspiration to these people. And that's the first time we see him be really accepted by a large group of people. Yep, and it just it, it adds another layer to him being this quintessential hero, right? Um, heroes aren't just people that defend the status quo or, you know, rescue damsels in distress. They have this inspirational element to them. That's why we have to be mindful of who who it is that we as a society, like in real life, are setting up or establishing or, or calling um, heroes, right? These, these people that we are elevating as role models um, because they are, when we do that, they have a certain kind of gravity to them. Uh, and so what it is that they do, what it is that they promote, what it is that they say, um, it becomes replicated um, because of that inspirational element of uh who or what a hero is right yeah and i mean we're really seeing that here with deku you know everyone in the class just has the utmost respect for him and i think that's really neat like he's worked for it you know i think he really deserves it and i think it adds another layer of just like this ability to love him as a character like he just seems like a great dude yeah agreed so after he enters the room and all these people kind of love on him for a minute uh, we see this moment with um ochako ochaku I got Ochako. it right. Yeah, Achako. I got it right. So we see her with uh, Luke Skywalker, Squirrel Boy, and he's kind of hitting on her, like, "Hey, maybe we should go do something later." And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever." And then she sees Deku and is like, "Oh my, you know, wow, you're back. You've been healed. Everything's okay." Like he he's still kind of beaten up, but he's not as broken as he was before. And I don't know. There's something about her that I've just really love about, you know, like she's just such a nice character and she's so sweet to everyone. Like she's really charming. I think as a, as an individual, it seems like she has everyone's best interest at heart, no matter who they are, or what they've done to others. And I think that's, that's really cool of her, you know? Yeah. Plus she vomits rainbows. How is that not charming? How is that's that anything but charming? It's true. Like she is the embodiment of charming at this point. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, the around this time is when Deku kind of realizes, like, hey, Katsuki's not anywhere around. And you and I have kind of talked about this already a little bit. We're not too sure if Katsuki's leaving Yue for good or if he's just leaving for the day. But, you know, the other people, the other students say something like, yeah, we tried to stop him from leaving, but he wanted to go anyways. So I don't know if they're just hanging out after class or yeah. if... You know, like, I'm not sure the situation, but Deku follows him to try and stop him from leaving, which makes me wonder, 
if he's planning on quitting college, I guess. Yeah, well, high school, and I don't That's know. Right. It's high school. It's not college. I, it's hard to tell because I had it in my brain that when Deku was at home packing his stuff, it was because he was going to go live on the campus of this special school. Um, and then you hear them talking about Katsuki trying to leave. But at the same time, uh, when All Might shows up on the scene, he doesn't say anything like, I really want you to reconsider leaving the academy. He doesn't, he's not even like blocking his way or having a real conversation. He's just using it as another teaching moment, which kind of throws me off of the, that thought even further. Like maybe he's just going home and all might's just like, all right, doing the equivalent of, you know, today was a bad day, but you you know, show back up here tomorrow and things will be better. Um, yeah. And you know, you you got a good point. You mentioned that they're packing for, you know, when they're showing him at home, they're, he's packing up to, almost looks like he's moving on campus, but I wonder if he's just packing like a gym bag full of stuff because he's going to be changing into different gear, yeah. I guess, for these different contests. Could be. Uh, and then he's going home at the end of the day. Like, I, I just, I don't think it's been established that they live on campus or if they live at home. So at this point, until we watch the next episode, I'm not too sure what's going on with Katsuki. I don't know if we're never going to see him again or not. Yeah. And this uh, is one of those things that literally when we watch the next episode, it will be answered a hundred percent. It'll <laughs> be just, answered within just, the first three minutes. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're just not, we're just not watching ahead because this is, this is how we've formatted this uh, podcast to work. Right. And so it's, you know, this whole moment though was really weird to me because Deku goes after Katsuki to kind of keep him from leaving the college. And he tells him all this stuff about how he wasn't duping him. Like he, he wasn't hiding his secret from him because Katsuki's got it stuck in his brain that he's just been duped his entire life. Right. And Deku tells him like, no, this is a borrowed power. And Katsuki laughs it off. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, how dumb do you think I am? And I thought it was funny that in this world of quirks that that is so implausible to him. You know, like out of all the things that could be going on, that's really the least likely? Right. I mean, it's un- it's certainly unprecedented for however long quirks have been around, at least a generation, right? Because we've seen parents with quirks and now kids with quirks. Yeah. Um, there's never been... A transferable uh, one, I guess. Yeah, there's never been. Well, there ha- there has been apparently this whole time because yeah. that's how that's how um, the what what's it called again? <laughs> You're uh, bad with the parent with the people names. I'm terrible with the All Might <laughs> powers name. Uh, I think it's called One for All. The One for All. Okay, there you go. So, so yeah, so I mean that one's been around, but I guess it's been a really well kept secret. Yeah, apparently. Which in my mind, like that means that everyone that knows it's going to have to die, right? Because if more than one people knows a secret, everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I get the feeling we're going to see a lot of conflict with that later. Oh, sure. uh, but it, the the conversation between the two was weird because Deku's kind of telling Katsuki some secrets and he doesn't tell him who he got the powers from, but he tells him how he got the powers and then basically just tells him that he really looks up to him and that, you know, he's going to try and beat him because he loves him. And then Katsuki goes on a rant about how he's going to be number one and he's going to be the best hero out there. So it was almost like they were just kind of talking to themselves about what they wanted out of the future, but not actually acknowledging each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, they were kind of talking over top of one another. I mean, there's there's a little bit of um, commonality between their two kind of, you know, competing monologues in that Deku mentioned uh, like you said, that he only wanted to beat Katsuki because he looked up to him because he was so great. And Katsuki had to, maybe even just for his own sake, um, reaffirm his goal to be the best. And how could he be number one if Deku threatens to usurp that position from him? 
Yeah, because he kind of has that split moment where he's like, well, if Deco actually had control of his powers, he could probably beat me. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, it's he, it's funny that he is such a great tactician, but he also is really hung up on physical strength because most tacticians, I feel like, realize that you can't put all your eggs in one basket, you know? Right. Well, are, you're talking about Katsuki now? Yeah. I don't know if he's if he's generally a tactician. I think that he is... Uh, he is particularly one, like, specifically for his stuff, you know, like... Okay, he, yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, he lives with this power, he's he's goofed off. It's just like uh, that scene from the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire where he's, like, sitting in his room and he's just fiddling around with, you know, his different abilities, trying to figure out how things work. I mean, Katsuki has probably done... All these people with their quirks have probably done similar things and figured out little tricks and, and strategies and tactics for just their power. You know, that's that's a really good point. And I love the idea, too, of having a power and like growing up with it and figuring out all of the quirks of it, too. You yeah. know, that seems like that would be a lot of fun. Yep. So we have All Might show up at the very last second here, right before Katsuki is about to kind of leave UA. And he's kind of like, hey, buddy, everything's going to be all right. We had a bad day, but that's okay. Come back tomorrow. Everything will be fine. And Katsuki totally brushes him off and is like, dude, I don't care about you. I have like nothing you say means anything to me. I will be better than you one day. Yep. And poor All Might just goes, okay. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> know like, how to handle that. He has no idea how to handle the idea of someone not liking him because his yeah. whole thing is the idea that he has to be the face of heroism. Right, right. So he's, I, he's I love the relationship between All Might and Katsuki because I feel like they have this weird resentment towards each other. It's kind of like he has no idea how to handle this kid that's just this, you know, angsty Ball teenager, basically. Yep. <laughs> so we've got kind of this end to this episode where Katsuki is either going home for the evening really dramatically or possibly just leaving the school. You know, anime has a way of making seemingly mundane things super dramatic. So it's like you said earlier, it's difficult for us not, you know, not having the benefit of hindsight on the next episode um, to know if this is him saying, all right, I'm done with UA after day one. This presumably this has all taken place on the same day, right? Yeah, I mean, I, so I kind of was curious about the timeline of this as well, because I, I so I honestly think that this is day two or three, because okay. day one, they show up to class, and that's where they have the stuff with Izawa, and they do all of their tests. That was day one. And then I think, like, day two or day three is where they show up, and All Might is their teacher. Either okay. that, or they went from, like, period one to period two, and this is just the second class of the day. See, that's the, that's the sense that I got, um... And I do recall that there was a little montage where they showed them doing like standard stuff. But I thought like first class of the day was, uh, you know, the the PT test that we saw a couple episodes ago. Then there was like all of the normal high school classes. And then you have the the hero class at the end. Um, but it could have also been that they had normal high school stuff all day and then just the one hero class at the end. And we saw the PT test the first day and then this is day two or whatever. So yeah, I don't, I don't really know, but it, regardless, I mean, it happens quickly. That it, it, I would say maximum, this happens within one week of school. Oh, Minimum, yeah. this happens all within the same day. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, and and like you said, I mean, more than likely, the very first thing we're gonna see in episode nine is Katsuki showing up to class the next morning. Right? <laughs> he's just the episode opens and he's sitting at his desk already, and we're just like, yeah. all right, well, there's that. 
Well, no, so Katsuki would probably be sitting on top of his desk, and you'd have Tenyu sitting there complaining about it. Yeah. Because that seems to be his deal. Like, in fact, even in this episode, whenever Deku shows back up to class, uh, the bird crow guy is sitting on his desk, and Ida is freaking out about it. Yeah. And I'm like, why do you care about these desks so much, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a quirky character, and that's kind of what I love about him. So we, I, I don't really know um, what what is on the horizon for the next episode. Um, I I did see. Did you watch the you know the little foreshadowy bits at the end of this episode? I so I don't watch the uh, opening cutscenes or the foreshadowing. I watched them in okay. the very first uh, episode just so that way I had an idea of what the intro and outro was like. Sure. Uh, but I kind of assume that you know, like I'll watch the new one whenever a new intro outro happens. But other than that, because I watch them in succession, I normally don't watch the like yeah, here's what's coming next scene. Yeah. You know? So at the end of this episode, it's kind of interesting. Usually, I pass them. Uh, up to I, I almost always skip whatever the ending is of the first episode that I watch out of the pair um, because I'm gonna immediately watch that episode that it's referring to um, but for the second of the two that we're gonna discuss I watch the end and in this one there's like a secret cohort of super villains that are oh. sitting around um, and they mention something along the lines of um, finally killing all might Huh. Um, because the the end of the episode proper didn't really have a whole bunch for us to be like, and this is exactly what we get to look forward to. But the yeah. that little that little bit of foreshadowing showed some some super villains, um, and they were like, "All right, we, we're finally going to try to to kill All Might once and for all." Um, That's interesting. I wonder. Like, I can't even imagine what they they'd have to find him in his you know weakened form. I would think. And who knows? Maybe one of them. Is that guy that was blacked out in the photo that you mentioned earlier? That so that, maybe you know, All Might's close sides. friend like betrayed him. You think? Yeah, could be, or I could yeah. be, or just or maybe switch teams for whatever reason. I mean, hey, villainy has its has its uh its attractions, right? I mean, That's otherwise true. there wouldn't be a bunch of villains. Uh, besides power, I mean, you're talking about greed and and all kinds of stuff. So it may have just been, you know, the, the this this friend of his chased a vice and ended up on on the opposite side of the field yeah it could be i mean I'm, I'm really interested in seeing like we have been given a lot of information on why it's good to be a hero but i don't feel like in this world we've really seen any benefits to being a villain just quite yet because it seems like the heroes are almost always johnny on the spot you know right. what i mean and all so, the villains so far have seemed kind of like lackluster in, yeah well and impulsive like they're just uh, they're opportunists, whereas this little c- cohort scene at the end of this episode implied organization. And yeah, orga- that's what organized villainy to. is, that's a whole other bag, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, because I kind of assumed, uh, so at this point with where this episode left off, I was under the impression that the majority of this season was just going to be them doing things in the class. And yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I really hope that they introduce something new. So I, you've got me looking forward to the next few episodes for sure. Well, good. I don't think you needed my help because this show no. has been fantastic so far. Oh, yeah. But yeah. But you definitely to... got me looking forward to something maybe new because uh, yeah. I was sort of just assuming we were going to see more of this rivalry that's going on. And maybe we will. Uh, I'm sure we'll see more of it. But I hope that they introduce some villains because I really want to see – I want to see some real – I want to see some real challenges for these heroes. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. Well, I think it's I think it's coming down the pipe, my friend. Awesome. That, that will uh, that will effectively wrap up these two episodes. So we will be discussing episodes nine and ten next time we sit down and chit chat. Absolutely. So episodes nine and ten, uh, go watch them and catch us next week. We'll be here. 
the Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at backpationetwork.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backpationetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at backpationet or at almightypod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.